praise God for that. Someone asked me tonight, have we been in Brazil? We do work in the country of Brazil. If you have kinfolk down there or something, maybe we could be a help to you. We'd be glad to try. Uh, we have an office. We have somewhere between six and ten uh, national workers that are in uh, prisons. And then our men go uh, about every six weeks, every month, every six weeks. It's a real opportunity. We're in the state of San Paulo. There's 92,000 inmates, and we have, we're in 75 prisons, I believe it is, 75, love, 75, and right now we're running right at 800 on the Prisoner's Bible Institute, which I watch because if a man or woman gets saved as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So when they're hungry for the word, something a live birth has taken place, hasn't it? And and uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. Judy and I were there last year, and uh, since I saw you, I think I'll just tell you this story. I think uh, I saw the greatest respect for God by inmates in the country of Brazil. The men and I were in a maximum security prison, and uh, because it's right on the equator, or right there at the equator, south of the equator, uh, their prisons are not like ours. Every one of them is like a court, a courtyard, and the prisons are doubled around like this on three sides, up and down. And that little courtyard is where uh, they take their exercise and things like that. We were walking around, went in a cell, and there was six, about six men in there. And I noticed the bunks were poured cement three high, one, two, three. In the back on this side was a shower, and on this side was their commode. And uh, we got to talking to them through the interpreter, and I asked them how many men in here, and they said, well, Six of us have bunks, but then at night when they shut the door and lock it, they send three more in, and they sleep on the floor, nine to a cell, and it was really crowded even then. So anyway, I said to them, uh, three high, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Well, of course, they agreed that was pretty bad, sleeping three high. I said, well, I was in the United States Navy, and we slept five high. <laughs> well, boy, they couldn't get over that. Five high in the Navy. What kind of ship I was on? Was I there in Vietnam? Did I kill anybody? And on and on and on. They just had to know. Well, I answered their questions, and I said to them, can I pray for you men? And I went around, asked each man, could I pray? Each man said yes. So as soon as the last man said yes, I just dropped down on my knees to pray for them. And they got all excited. I couldn't understand them because they speak Portuguese, of course. But they were awfully excited. And her Brother John Alves, our director down there, said, Wait a minute, Brother Garris, wait a minute. They don't want you to pray for them. So they put their t-shirts on. They don't want you to take them to God while they have their shirts off. So they all ran and got their shirts on so I could pray for them. Boy, oh boy, I got happy. Because in a time the Bible said, He that honoreth me, I will honor. And uh, they honored God by showing respect and fear. And sure enough, when I bowed to pray, the Lord settled in. And it was sure, sure sweet around there. And we had a wonderful time when I got up off my knees. Five out of the six or seven that were in there had accepted the Lord as their Savior. Had a smile. We were able to help them get them started on the Prisoner's Bible Institute and things like that. There was a man in that cell. He was 53 or 54, and that day was his birthday. 
So after I prayed, he said to me, today is my birthday. I said, well, what about that? How old? He told me, is he 53 or 54? I said to the other man, hey, it's this man's birthday. Come on, let's sing happy birthday for him. So we all started singing happy birthday, all of us Americans. And he began to cry. He said, that's the first time in my life that anyone ever sang happy birthday to me. And uh, he was so thrilled. He said, this is the best birthday I ever had. The Americans sang happy birthday uh, to me. It, it was a precious time. We, we greatly enjoyed it. Flew in there and the first night they took us to a real fancy place to eat. Uh, this man was a Christian and his children were in their Christian school. And uh, down there, they're big on buffets. Boy, they can. They can put out the meat. You, you just can't hardly believe. I hate to tell you this. They have more cows than Texas. And they're proud of it, too. More, and they're bigger than the United States. If you lay Brazil on our United States, they'd bulge out, be out in the Pacific Ocean. They're bigger than us. And uh, they're proud of that, too. So, anyhow, we went to eat, and we just flew in, and I said, so I went around that buffet. It was a huge thing. And I saw these boiled shrimp, and I thought, boy, they've been boiled. They'll be good to eat. So I filled up on boiled shrimp. Well, the next morning, I woke up sick as a dog. And I said to Judy, did you poison me during the night? You just want me to die down here so you can leave me. And that way you won't have to pay for no funeral and no cemetery lot. That's what you did. Well, the day wore on. I had to preach that night. I was one sick puppy. So uh, the preacher came and uh, he said, we got to do something about it. And uh, he said, you stay here. And I said, I will. And he went and got a doctor, and the doctor had a nurse, and they came to our motel room and spent an hour and a half or more with me, gave me a, 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 an IV thing and a bunch of things. And before they left, they had me smiling, and they had me feeling good. And I preached that night. They said, uh, he asked me what I ate, and I tore in that boiled shrimp, and he said that was it. I said, what do you mean that was it? He said the ice was made out of unfiltered water. It wasn't a shrimp that got you, but the ice that they were laying in that water was unfiltered, and you got it. And uh, so I started with a dose of food poisoning, and uh, but the Lord got me up. And uh, I never met a kinder folk. We were in a motel looking at a motel for the preachers to stay at. Oh, I was sick. I just went outside and puked it out. Oh, they got so nervous they wanted to call the ambulance, and I don't want to go to their hospital. I ain't never seen one. It may be all right. I just don't want to leave Judy. Amen. She's all I have, and she's pretty mean, but anyhow, she's all I had right then, you know. But the doctor came to the room. Don't ask me about the bill. You don't want to know. But that very trip, we took out uh, insurance with American Express that if I got sick, they'd fly me home. And um, the bill was a $1,000 American and uh, got paid for. Amen. And... Uh, I was sure glad, but I got well, and I thank the Lord. It's wonderful to go to the mission field, and I'm glad for the work and the Brazilian people. We had a great conference with them. It really was a wonderful time. Well, pray for us at the Rock of Ages. We need missionaries, public schools around the world. We're in the schools down in Brazil. Uh, they have opened the door to us. We have... Uh, workers that teach in their public schools as well as here in America. 
I'll just tell you this, we started this school year with 32 public schools right here in America that our missionaries are working in, some every day, some one day a week, some are chaplains and they're in there several days a week so that uh, the students can ask them questions. There's such an opportunity in the world, but also in our own country. And uh, you ought to give your life to Jesus. Amen. Open your Bible to Isaiah tonight, Isaiah chapter 52. And I want to take my coat off for a reason tonight, if you'll let me do that. As soon as I show you the text, you'll understand. In Isaiah chapter 52 uh, tonight, I want to say this to you while you're finding your place. Isaiah is a great book for, for descriptions of Christ. When you read Isaiah, you'll just see he describes Jesus for you 900 years before he was ever born. Uh, for example, behold a virgin shall be uh, with child, shall conceive and, and bring forth a son. We know he was born of a virgin. We're not looking for the Antichrist to rise up out of the east somewhere in Syria or Iraq. We're not looking for that with Jesus. We already knew because Isaiah told us he'd be born of a virgin. Uh, if you look in the last chapter of Isaiah, don't lose your place there in chapter uh, 52. Uh, but in uh, the last chapter, I believe it is, and uh, I was just going to show you, and the Bible even tells us, let me find it for you. I'm sorry, I thought I had it. Uh, look in Isaiah 66, verse 7 and 8, just a minute. The Bible even told us that when Mary gave birth, she felt no pain because there was no sin. In verse 7, before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. What a miracle. Amen, ladies. What a miracle. Verse 8, who have heard such a thing, who have seen such things, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And uh, we know that's going to come to pass too. Another place in Isaiah that, and I may preach on it too this week, especially with the young people in school, but when Jesus came, the Bible said he was polished, polished. And uh, uh, we didn't see a crude man, a crude man. Uh, he didn't come like that. He was polished. I may preach to the kids this week about that, at least one message. But Isaiah is a wonderful book to read if you're looking for unusual things about the Son of God. And actually, people, that ought to be who we see in the Bible anyway, isn't it? It isn't just Elijah or Elisha. It isn't just Jeremiah. But we ought to see Christ in the Bible. I want you to come to such a text tonight in Isaiah 52 and verse 10. Now notice this very carefully. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Now hold your uh, finger there, and I want to pray for us. I'd like to lift him up tonight, and you can't do that. The flesh can't do that. But the Spirit of God can tell you. Let's pray together. Our Father, the song service was all about Jesus tonight. And here I am with this text. And our Father, I confess, it's not in me. I can't do it. But oh, dear Lord, by the blessed Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, dear Jesus, 
you could be lifted up, exalted in our midst tonight, in the hearts and the minds and the thoughts of the people. They could praise thee and love thee and gather themselves at an altar on down the road tonight and kneel down, if not to do anything else, to give thee praise and thanksgiving. We love you tonight, even as Brother Mickey urged this to sing with all of our hearts. We love you. Make me able now tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm 66 years old. I remember well when I would go down to the farm. The people on the farm always had their sleeve rolled up. You want to know why? They weren't watching television. They were working. Try that word, working. Try that word. Some of you won't pronounce it. Try it. Try it. You, you can say it if you just try. Shut up, say it. I know that's what the problem is. But your wife told me you needed to say it. She's tired of you being a house pet. If you hang around the house, she don't get anything done. Say amen, ladies, you write me these notes to preach on now, preach on it, and you don't even wave your hanky or say amen. And they think I'm just making it up. Work. I noticed that on the farm, everybody, my great uncle whose farm it was, from there on up, it was white as could be. From there on down, it was black or brown as could be. For he worked in the railroad, and then when he got off, worked on the farm. Judy and I were overseas in Romania last year, and we got to the airport, and because America has come in there since Germany told us to get out, uh, they've chosen Romania to build air bases to protect uh, Europe, and uh, Romania is just going out the top with all the American money that's in there. And uh, we come out, and uh, they were pouring a new cement right in front of the airport. I nudged Judy and said, look, wifey, no matter what country you're in, they roll their sleeves up when they work. Pouring cement was hard work. And they were doing that. And those coats were off and their shirt sleeves shirt sleeves were rolled up. I guess because of my Uncle Ross, one day as I saw this text, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nation. I want to bring you a message tonight on the day that God rolled his sleeve up. The day he rolled his sleeve up. Isn't that unusual? We wouldn't know that if Isaiah hadn't told us that. And you see, his death, burial, and resurrection was according to scriptures. See, it all fits. It all makes a whole. He didn't get over into the New Testament and just cut a new path and go to doing things that had never been prophesied. No, sir. He'd done the things that the Scripture said he would do. So, when it said he made bare his holy arm. Don't lose your place there. If you can, put your Bible marker there, because I'm sure we'll have to come back, ain't you? I was, I'm just excited tonight to preach on the Lord Jesus Christ. The day he rolled his sleeve up. Look with me first of all in your Bible in John chapter 5. And see, we're talking about rolling your sleeve up to work. And in John chapter 5, notice with me in verse 17. Here's the Lord speaking. And in John 5 and in verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto, and I 
work. My father worketh hitherto, and I work. So he rolled his sleeve up for some type of work, work that he was going to do. Unto your mind all the things the Bible said in the beginning of the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him. Did He roll His sleeve up to create the universe? No, He never did. He spoke, and it came to pass. And Psalm said, He did it with His fingers. He didn't roll His sleeve up. Creation was not. A great work to our God. He didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired, plumb tuckered out like me and you get. That ain't why he rested. He did it for our sakes. We need a day of rest. Amen. And he did it for our sakes. Did he do it, let's say, when he destroyed the, the world with water? Did he roll his sleeve up to do that? No, as soon as Noah was in, he shut the door, and the fountains of the deep sprang up, and the, the water from above came down, and for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. He never rolled his sleeve up for that. I checked to see if he rolled his sleeve up when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what I found out? He didn't roll it up for them either. As soon as Lot left the city and came into Zor, then the fire and brimstone fell from heaven. And I said, Dear Lord, have you ever rolled your sleeve up before the New Testament? And guess what I found out? Every time God went to deliver someone or a nation, he rolled his sleeve up. Rolling his sleeve up has to do with salvation. He rolled his sleeve up for salvation. Do you know he rolled it up? And you notice I, I rolled my right arm up. That's because that's the arm he rolled up to. See, I know that read in the Bible. And my Bible told me so. Say amen right there. I never knew that. Well, I can't help it. Uh, maybe there's something wrong with you or, or something. I, I don't know. But if you, if you just insist and if you want to get contrary about it, I don't mind just showing it to you if you don't mind looking. Look in Psalm 98 and verse 1. When he brought Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, he rolled his sleeve up. And in Psalm 98 and other, and other verses in the book of Psalms, he'll show you exactly which one he rolled up. Psalm 98 verse 1. And sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. It's talking about Israel coming out of Egypt. His right hand and his holy arm. He rolled his sleeve up when he went down to bring out his people. And he brought them all out too, didn't he? Across the Red Sea on dry ground, he brought them out. Whenever it involves salvation, God rolls his sleeve up. While you're in the book of Psalms, look with me if you would tonight in Psalm 34. Maybe this verse will explain to you why the Lord had to roll his sleeve up to save you and me in Psalm uh, 34 and uh, in verse uh, uh, is that the verse I wanted? I'll read that for you. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, 
neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Notice thine own arm, thy right hand, the light of thy countenance. Why? Because they deserved it? No, he had a favor toward them. And can I tell you tonight, if you're in Christ Jesus, God has a favor toward you. There's no longer enmity between you and God. God loves you and God's grateful that you've received him. I come back to Psalm 40. Here's the one I wanted you to see. Psalm 40, while we're right there. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Well, notice this. Where did he get you and me? Where did he find us? How did he lift us? We sing, Christ lifted me, Christ lifted me. Well, look at verse 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear it, and shall trust in the Lord. Notice, he brought me up also out of a horrible out of the miry clay. Now look just a minute. I'll do it on this side and I'll go over there. Look at this. Would you roll your sleeve up if you had to reach down into a horrible pit and get a hold of the little blind fisher and lift him out? Would you roll your sleeve up? God rolled his sleeve up to save you. Not just Brian, Mrs. Fisher too. She was a mess. Amen, brother Brian. Say amen right there. Notice what it said. He brought me up. So when he come to save your soul, he rolled his sleeve up and reached down in. The Mary clay is the stuff at the bottom. It's the stuff that settles on the bottom of a horrible pit. And some of you don't think you needed saving too much. Some of you was in bad shape. Say amen right there. And he rolled his sleeve up and reached down in there and saved us, pulled us up, Lord lifted me, Christ lifted me, and he lifted you up and set you on a rock. Hallelujah. No wonder Brother Mickey thinks we ought to sing. It don't matter how low down you are tonight. You say, I'm a drunkard. Yeah, well, that's okay. Jesus can save drunkards. Yeah, I, I was in Texas. I can't remember the name of the place. But I was in Texas, and we were closing a revival on Friday night. And Friday afternoon, about 4 o'clock, the preacher was in his study getting ready for that Sunday because I was leaving Saturday. And his phone rang, and a man said, uh, Are you the pastor? And he said, Yes. He said, Well, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Well, really, I'm a drunkard. I, I'm a drunkard. And my wife is going to take the children and leave me. And I can't stand that. And I went to my Catholic priest because we're Catholic. And my priest said, what you need is a Baptist preacher. And he said, I need a Baptist preacher. And the Catholic priest, this is what he told the boy. He said, yes, they specialize in cases like yours. Well, he wanted to know, he 
said the Catholic priest, do you have something that can help me? And, and brother, what's his name, Marthy? A storm, straws, storms. Anyway, it starts with an S. Say amen right there, wife. He starts with an S. And, uh, and, and he said, by the matter of fact, we do. We have a regular program. In fact, we've been meeting all this week uh, over alcoholism and yeah. drugs and stuff like that. He said, you, you have. He said, yeah. Tonight's the last night. Oh, he said, it is. Well, can I come even though I ain't been there all week? And the preacher said, yes, I think so. He said, well, how much does it cost? I got paid today. I, I, I don't care what it costs. What it'll cost? And the preacher said, well, since it's the last night, we won't charge you. He didn't tell me this, but when I got up to preach, right back there with that man sitting with that tie on, he was right there in the corner, and he was out in the aisle with his hands on his knees just like this, looking at me. He had his wife, he had his kids, and that night he walked out, and Christ lifted him. Oh, I'm telling you, he said that priest was right. I wonder why the priest sent him to a Baptist preacher. But he's right. You all specialize in problems, don't you? Listen, he come back Sunday, Brother Mickey, and brought 17 cousins, outlaws, third cousins, second cousins, fifth cousins, all the way down. He had them all, 17 of them, in the pew. Oh, I think that's something. The Catholic priest, we specialize in it. We do, because we know a Savior that will deceive us. How can the Pope's son save anybody? He won't even really save us. And where you got to reach to save people like us? I know you're all spiffied up tonight, but you was a mess. So you can't tell me that done done it. Take more than a bond to get you in heaven. Did you see why he rolled his sleeve up? He rolled it up because of where he had to go to get us. The Pope it. You know a lot of people don't get their hands dirty. You, you and me, we couldn't go to a lot of churches in Dallas. They don't want us. They wouldn't have cowboys. Preacher wouldn't win because the preacher ain't working or doing anything else, matter of fact. <laughs> we couldn't go. Why, Mickey fooled around. I used to preach in the college when I came here, but I don't even get an invitation there anymore when I come to Mickey Hollers. They wouldn't even let me come. Just hang around the wrong guys, don't I? Well, uh, I just like to brag. Oh, Jesus. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. He just doesn't save kindergartners. He don't just save teenagers. But he saves men who can't do anything except die and go to hell. They can't get free. They can't be free. They've tried everywhere. They've been to, to New Orleans and they've been to California and they married this woman and that woman and here a woman, there a woman, everywhere a woman, woman. And you think they wise up and figure it out. It ain't the woman. It might be me. Say amen, I tell you, ladies, I'm trying to help you. Come with me in your Bible to John chapter 10. Oh, I forgot the outline. I'm just having fun tonight. I asked the Lord to let me do it. Just have fun because I always think of this church as a place where you can just uh, spill your guts and have fun. So look at John 10. Now, how important is it that we know uh, that when the Savior comes, you can identify him? Because he rolled his sleeve up. Well, 
Watch this. In John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Can you see the difference between Jesus and this false Christ? He's a thief. And he's a hireling. He don't care. He don't love you. He, he doesn't have any hope for you. The hireling doesn't. You didn't see the hireling roll his sleeve up to do work. He didn't say, I'm going to save the sheep. When the wolf came, did he jump between the sheep and the wolf and roll his sleeve up? and prepared to do battle, no said a little coward turned tail and run. What it say? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He ain't going to hang around and fight. He ain't going to do it. Serpents don't do that. If they see they're going to get whooped, they're headed out. They ain't hanging around. They know you're going to stomp their little heads. But the, but, the, but the real Savior, he got between you and hell. You know why you ain't in hell tonight? Because Jesus stands there with his sleeve rolled up. You may be within six inches of hell. Oliver B. Green always prayed, save the soul that's nearest hell. And a great old time man that had like brother... Uh, Fisher does had a rescue mission said let me build a rescue mission within a yard I believe it was or six inches of hell boy that's something ain't it brother Fisher that Jesus would reach out right at the six inch mark hey the man on the cross he was mighty close that he called out and Jesus saved him didn't he amen Yes, sir. Come to John 19 and I'll show you. I'll show you the Savior with his sleeve rolled up. And then we'll go to work closing tonight. I, I'm not that I ain't no hurry. Brother Mickey said I wasn't allowed to hurry. And I don't feel strong enough to hurry. But my heart's are jumping up and down having a good time. So I'm there. I love you, dear folks. Don't die without Jesus. Hear that lady today that went from faith to sight. Man, that's what you want to do. Don't go to hell, please. Come and get saved. Here's John 19. Come on, I'll read a little bit to you. Verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote the title and put it on the cross and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, noticed this, took his garments. 
Where was his arm made bare? Out at the cross. And made four parts to every soldier apart. There were four soldiers on an execution detail with the Roman people, with the Roman army. And Jew wore five pieces of clothing. So they took his garments, four, and made four parts. It would have been his belt, his head covering, his shoes, and his undergarment. But a Jew wore five pieces, and here's the fifth. And also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted by raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Notice they, they looked at that outer garment. You remember in the Old Testament, the priest always wore an ephod. An ephod was the garment of the priest when he approached God. Here were two stones. And uh, if it was yes, one glowed and caused heat, we believe. If it was no, the other one glowed and caused heat on the, on the chest of the high priest. You remember David said, bring me the ephod. And he said, shall we go up after them? And, and will we recover all? And God answered him immediately. Well, that coat was so special. It didn't have a zipper. It didn't have buttons. It was woven from the neck throughout. And it was just like an ephod. It was so remarkable that we say, who did it? Well, in the book of Luke, it speaks about the women who ministered unto Jesus. And I believe they're the ones that did it. And even these old crude soldiers, they looked at that outer garment, his coat, it's called here in verse 23. And he said, don't rend it, don't tear that, don't tear it. Let's cast lots. Whoever wins gets the whole garment. That's too valuable to tear up. See? See, how do you know Jesus was naked? A Jew didn't wear but five pieces of clothing, and all of them are accounted for right there. He didn't do like Mary shows and the Catholic Church shows that he was wearing some kind of a loincloth. No, sir. When he was lifted up, he was lifted up naked. Understand that? That was the shame that he endured. What do you mean, preacher? If you die without Christ, you're going to stand before God Almighty naked. Just like Adam and Eve were when God came down and they had sinned, they were naked. And God clothed them, didn't he? And sinner friend, when you die without Jesus, you're going to stand before God but naked. In front of Him, in front of His Son, in front of the Holy Ghost, in front of all His holy angels, and you talk about shame. You're going to be ashamed. I know a lot of you people go around and have mostly naked down here. But I'll tell you one thing, you want to be clothed according to 1 Corinthians when you stand before God. Clothed with what? The righteousness of Christ. And you can't have that without repentance and faith towards the Lord Jesus. You can't have it. Hallelujah. Won't it be wonderful there? You have our garments on. Woo, woo, woo! Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'll be threads that are threads, won't they? Amen. When you get dirty, say, well, where's the washeteria? Don't worry about it. Ain't no dirt up there. You left it far behind. Amen. 
So what about if I drop some? I always drop things when I eat. You too. That's what Judy says about me. You always drop stuff on you. Now be careful. Sometimes I think I do it deliberately. Just to crank her up. Keeps your blood flowing through her veins and keeps all that stuff that gets clogged up. Surging on out because she gets hot as a firecracker, you know. See that? Where did he want to save her? Out at Calvary. You know why? He knew how far down he had to reach to get you. Ain't that something? Boy, all the way down in the Mary clay, that's the stuff that smells. You know? Smells? Okay, just so you know. And that was me and you. But Jesus saved us. See, because Isaiah told us that, we can watch for it. The hiring is just the hiring. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That means his arm is made bare. Let's close tonight. Come back to the book of Numbers with me, would you? Oh, boy, I hope you get saved tonight. I mean, I really hope you do. If you don't know the Lord or you ain't right with God, come on to the altar. Whoever loved you enough to roll his sleeve up for you to save your life and your soul. Your life, did you hear that? Not just your soul. He died for your life, too. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Right? That's right. Say amen right there. Yeah, women, if you think glorifying Christ is walking down the street nearly naked, well, you need some kind of an adjustment. And it's too high for crutches. You dig? And if you men had a chest, it might be all right to show it, but you don't. So it's best just to keep it covered up. Shaving in right there. Yeah, that's right. Out there mowing the grass with your knobby knees hanging out. Did you ever see a man's legs? Pitiful. I've seen better legs on storks than men have. I don't understand them gays, how they can rub another man with ugly legs. I don't know. Huh? Left that gag a maggot off a gut wagon, eh? But nevertheless, Jesus will save you. Yes, sir. You can't get too far down. He already rolled his sleeve up. He's going to reach to the bottom. Underneath of the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Come to Numbers quick tonight. I know the Lord's closing. Numbers chapter 27. Now don't get all nursed up and get to thinking about your buddy burger or whatever you're getting tonight. We ain't going there yet. Sister Joanne, go feed after supper, so I ain't going nowhere. So I might as well just stay and continue on. Look in verse 15 and Numbers 27. Now Moses is praying for the children of Israel, and let's, let's listen to his prayer. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. I want you to see that. Moses said, you know what I'm worried about most of all, Lord? I'm worried if you don't pick the man 
And by the way, he did, and that man was Joshua. But if you don't pick the man, the, the people of Israel be like sheep without a shepherd. They'll be scattered. Why did God give us local churches and pastors like Brother Nicky and Miss Joanne? Why did he do that? So that after you're saved, you don't get all scattered all over the world. It's hard to live for Christ when you're the only one. But when you're in a body of believers, then, and I don't mean just showing up occasionally, I mean making yourself part of the church where your name and your prayer request mean something to these people. It's what you need. I saw Moses' prayer and I thought about it and thought about it. See, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 9. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. The Pharisees couldn't shepherd them. They wouldn't get their hands dirty. The Sadducees wouldn't shepherd them because they didn't even have the right doctrine. They didn't even believe right. They needed a shepherd. Now, here's why. Come up to the Minor Prophets, and you'll find a little book named Amos. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. I want you to come to Amos, Amos chapter 3, verse 12. I want you to see it with me tonight, and then we'll close. Amos 3 and verse 12. I want you to see why it's important, why it's important you have a brother Mickey. And not only that, a great Savior. Hallelujah. A wonderful Savior. So you're not as sheep without a shepherd. You ready? In Amos chapter 3, look in verse 12. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. Notice that. Now there's a little lamb that the lion caught. Notice all that's left is two legs and a piece of an ear. He shook it, gnawed it, he tore it asunder, and all you could see hanging out of his mouth were the two hind legs and a piece of an ear that probably got hung up on his tooth. His face is bloody, his whiskers are bloody, the blood's all the way back over his head into his mane, and that's all that's left of a believer, of a Christian, of a dear man like you, a dear lady like you, a teenager like you, that's all that's left. Now you say, man, nothing we can do about that, boys. I mean, that line, he's got that lamb. There ain't no need. There's, you can see it's just two legs sticking out of his mouth. And that piece of ear... Notice it doesn't say, Thus saith the Lord, as the United States government taketh out of the mouth of the lion. Notice it doesn't say, As the mooses, gooses, polka dotted ducks, striped buzzards, Masonic lodge, eastern stars, bugling elks. Say, you called my lodge by name. I meant to. See if I missed any of them. Doesn't say that. Notice it doesn't say as the big tell evangelist and healer out of Dallas, Texas, bends it in. Take it out of them. Then chicken ain't messing with no lion. And neither is T.D. Jakes. 
A preacher said to me, do you know when T.D. Jakes buys one of them suits, he buys shirts, ties, shoes, socks, hankies. He buys everything that outfit needs. And do you know every time he gets a new outfit, it's $7,000. You might all tune in since you sent him money. You do want to see his new outfit, don't you? I mean, you're wearing three years of gold dress, and he's wearing a $7,000 suit. Sat me the man. <laughs> Good. I wanted to stir you up. Judy starts slamming kettles around. I know at least I'm going to get something. If I just stay clear of her slamming them around me, I'll get something out of it. Who is going to take you out of the mouth of a lion when there ain't nothing left but two legs and a piece of an ear? Ain't but one. And he rolled his sleeve up and came and said to that lion, Give it to me. And that lion put his head down and growled. He shouldn't have done that. I wish you'd asked me. I'd have told him, don't do nothing like that. Because God reached down and got him by his upper lip. I used to catch cows for a living. God gave him a big old lip so you can catch them and so you can kiss them. She'll put her head down when she sees you coming right at her. She'll have to get her by the lip, pull it up. He reached down and got that line by the upper lip. And with his other hand, he got the lower jaw. And Jesus doesn't know his own strength. She opened it up. And he opened it too wide. His top jaw stayed straight up from then on. And if he put it down, it just flip-flopped up and down. God took it apart for you and said, I told you, give me that two legs and that piece of an ear. Well, who wants two legs and a piece of an ear? Nobody except God. And God can take you that the lion has mauled and chewed on and gnawed on and about finished you off. And make a new man out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That old whale did Jonah bad, didn't he? Yeah, the acid in his stomach beat his clothes off, burned all the hair off his body, and bleached him white. But he come out of there and God used him to preach, didn't he? I come say repented. If you saw the preacher come in buck naked, small as white as could be, wouldn't you repent? <laughs> Don't you like the Bible? You didn't get this on the TDD club, TDD's channel, whatever that trash is. And you didn't learn this watching the Dallas Cowgirls. Telling your wife you like football. You can't even follow the ball. You don't even know who has it. If they didn't tell you, you'd lose it. It's the Cowgirls he likes. Ever notice he doesn't go to the bathroom at halftime? Why do you think that is? Hmm? Some of you just ain't bright enough to realize the only person that can save your hide is Jesus, and you ought to get as close to him as you can. He's the one that loves you. You are down for the count, and bless God, he saved you. And you ought not to be backslidden and cold and stiff as a board. You ought to be full of the Holy Ghost and loving him. Save me in that hell. You tell me one other person that rolled his sleeves up. Booty never rolled his up. 
Confucius never rolled his up. Muhammad never rolled his up. He was busy living with his 13-year-old wife. What happened to you, Jaybird? Only one person ever rolled their sleeve up for you and reached down in the night clay. And somebody you didn't appreciate it when he did save you, so the lion got you again and mauled you and rolled you and gnawed on you. Who wants you now? Jesus does. Who's going to make the lion turn loose? Jesus will. <laughs> he don't. His jaw looked more like a boar. You ready? The Lord will receive up. Come on and stand. We'll pray. Heavenly Father.